some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. Greg, how was yours? <laughs> victory? Was that the victory sign? Uh, I ate a lot. Oh. I, I always eat a lot. No, no, I take that back. I hardly eat at all now, but I ate a lot yesterday. <laughs> well, it is the day where you are allowed to overeat and uh, in some cases overdrink. Did you do any of that too? <laughs> I had one glass of wine. That was it. Oh, you're such a good boy. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I, I just, I mean, there's, there's some nights. I think I told you about my night before New Year's Eve last year, didn't I? Yes, you did. Okay. Well, <laughs> since then, I haven't had too much to drink. That was a bad night. Oh man. You don't want to relive that. That is for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> and that, that had never happened to me in my life. I mean, we'll, we'll say I, my wife and I drank too much and I went up to lay down and the room was spinning and, you know, I, I, I had a meeting with Ralph like three or four times. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Matthew Focisi says that Matt Nagy probably got wasted yesterday after that win that his players delivered to him. And let's face it, also the Detroit Lions had a lot to do with it. I looked at the NFL does highlight packages of every game and um the NFL's highlight package of the Bears-Lions game included, and this is something I've rarely seen them do, included every penalty that the Lions committed. Oh, my God. So oh. in, in other words, what they were saying is, yeah, the Lions really blew this one because they kept moving backwards when they had a chance to put the game away. Well, I, I don't know if they were ever going to get in a position to put the game away, but they kept – they didn't help themselves. Mm. You know, with the penalties, and they were legit penalties. Mm -hmm. it, it was. You know, you look at and, and you know what? You probably could have found a few more in there because there was times when I was watching the pass rush and Bears guys were getting held incredibly much. Mm -hmm. By the way, I think Matthew Fucchisi uh, says that he was the one that got wasted, not Matt Nagy. So he's, he's, he's happy he got the day off. Good for you. Everybody should have the day off today. Uh, so My wife doesn't. She's working. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Retail. The retail business is tough, man. It's oh, uh, she, she, she left at 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, and it's probably going to be like a 10-hour day for her, right? I mean, um, She'll be home at 7. 
Okay. Well, that's a, that's a long day, man. Um, all right. Let's talk about the game. And then there's so much to talk about what transpired leading up to the game. But I want to begin with your assessment of how Andy Dalton play. He, he accumulated more passing yards than any quarterback this season. I thought he looked good and, and looked uh, as 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 good as a veteran quarterback under the system has looked. He, he, you know, Hub has made the statement a few times that had Andy been the quarterback all year, which was the original plan, right? You know, the Bears might be above five hundred, and and I agree with that. And uh, the guy has been a pretty much a winning quarterback throughout his career. He's not a quarterback that's going to take anybody to the Super Bowl, but he's taken teams to the playoffs, and he's good enough to do that. He's not, you know, quite at that that he's not at that elite level, but he's very good. And I and I I saw a statement. He thought, you know, the one interception that he threw in the red zone that uh, he said, "Boy, when that ball left my hand, I thought that was a touchdown." Yeah, I heard that. You know, yeah, and and uh, you know, he he didn't he should have put it up about two inches higher, and it would have been a touchdown. But yeah. you know, uh, all in all, when when you think he he did this on a short week, no practice. There's no, you know, you, you, they have the Mondays off Tuesday. They have a walkthrough and I think they had two walkthroughs on Tuesday and they have some meetings and that's it, you know? And so to do that and also, you know, a Rob wasn't playing. And then you look at all the defensive players that weren't playing and, and the defense really, when you think about it, they did a, a remarkable job. They gave up like what 260 yards, 280 yards, or something total. Mm-hmm. And look at all the guys that were out. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it now, was- yeah, they're they're playing the Lions, but you know what? The Lions have a history, not necessarily of winning on Thanksgiving, but it's a home game on a short week, and they always play you tough. Yeah. For, and, yeah. and hey, they're trying to get a win like everybody else, right? From the Lions' perspective, I think, you know, if I was a Lions fan, what I would be most disappointed on is the strength of the team is what the resources they've put into that offensive line. And that offensive line, with the penalties they committed, that had to be a real kick in the nuts uh, for them because that is where they're building. They're both like they should, in my opinion. And I think you've said this many times too. You build from the inside out. But you win at the line of scrimmage, and that's what they've been devoting. Still had a couple starters out. Yeah, that's true. The, the, the center was out. The right guard was a was a free agent rookie, uh, Kramer from Notre Dame, and, and you know, Kramer was a good college player. I didn't even think he'd make it in the National Football League. Hmm. He was a practice squad player a couple weeks ago. Got brought up, excuse me, brought up for the, uh, to the varsity because of injuries, and he got called for a few of those penalties and mm-hmm. got beat for a sack. So you know, he is what he is. Yeah. And from the Bears perspective, you've got to love the way that Cole Komet is progressing. You know, the, the poor guy, is, you know, gets so much heat if he doesn't catch a pass. But people overlook what he does from a blocking standpoint. And the fact that he's only in his second year, he's progressing really nicely, isn't he? Well, let's, yeah, well, yeah, but let's get to the real reason. 
Okay. He's playing with, and I'm not banging Justin Fields. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a difference. His production yesterday was the difference between playing with a veteran quarterback and a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, Greg, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I also think that the offensive line has progressed steadily throughout the season that Cole is being kept in less to block. I've seen that kind of over the last two games, through maybe three games with Cole Komet, that he's not being used on max protect calls over and over because this offensive line, Larry Borum and and, and uh, Peters on the other end, they've been doing a better job at pass blocking. And so those max protect and chip shots uh, 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 calls for Cole Komet have re- been reduced a little bit. And so that helps them get out there uh, and to try to catch a pass. Well, that, that's going to change, Aldo, from week to week, depending on who okay. you're playing Makes and sense. what they, you know, the, the defensive scheme you're going against, what their strong and weak points are. So obviously th- that plays into it. Uh, I agree the offensive line has gotten better, and, and they've gotten better because they're playing, you know, all the same guys, what was that, the third game in a row now, they play with the exact same unit. Yeah. You know, I, I that might be the first in the last two years that you've gone three games with the same guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, um, you know, is it going to be the same line as next year? And I think, uh, you know, Jenkins is going to be at left tackle next year, but the the other four guys may damn well be the same guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, they're, they're going to continue to get better. I thought Detroit went in trying to stop the run mm-hmm. and did a pretty darn good job. And and forced the Bears to pass, but and the Bears did a good job passing. They threw for over three hundred yards. Yeah. Um, do you think that um, how how much of what transpired leading up to the week had an impact on the players, whether positive or negative? They could have. It could have been. <laughs> I know you have a lot to say. On this. <laughs> I just turn it over to you. You, t- you say no. what you want to. Well, uh, where do you want me to begin? I mean, <laughs> well, let's you were- start. And I, I, I don't even remember what we talked about, you know, earlier in the week when right. uh, the thing. But let's first talk about the the Nagy lost the locker room. Okay, good. Okay, yes. total BS. And comes from a guy who does a podcast with a player. Has he lost that player? Yes. Mm-hmm. Why has he lost that player? Number one, he didn't get the contract he wanted, and it, and he's got a franchise tag. And number two, he's not getting the ball thrown to him. And why is that? Well, if he would have played yesterday and not been injured, he probably would have you know, had eight, nine, ten targets. Yeah. But he was hurt. Again, everybody wanted the rookie quarterback. Screaming, mm-hmm. you got to play the quarterback. You got to play the rookie quarterback. He's the future. Okay. You play the rookie quarterback. Now you got to go with what you get. Mm-hmm. And you get, and, and you're going to get situations where things are limited. The off, the scope of the offense is limited. There's only so much you can do. He's going, and I'm not at all saying that he's not going to be a good pro. I think he's going to be a great pro, but he's got to grow. And people will say, well, look what Matt Jones is doing in, in, in New England. I don't care what he's doing in New England. He was more prepared to be a pro quarterback coming out of that Alabama offense 
mm-hmm. than any of the other four quarterbacks who went in the first round playing in the in the offenses they played in college. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the ceiling that any of those four guys have. Yeah. What he does have is Bill Belichick. But, you know, where Tom Brady had Bill Belichick for almost all his career, Mac Jones isn't going to have Belichick for his whole career. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> right. I mean, unless Belichick decides he wants to coach till he's 75 or 80, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I doubt that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and so um, after the report of Alan Robinson. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, let me back up. Okay. First cool. of all, when, when, when it, and this is fact, if you're around teams and a coach loses that team, mm-hmm. you see what you, we saw with Mark Tressman. Mm-hmm. You see what we lost with the end of, uh, of the John Fox era. The mm-hmm. players quit. There is no effort on the team. They're going through the motions, the old proverbial run for the bus. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, and in all honesty, has there been some bad play? Yes. Have you seen a lack of effort? No. The effort has always been there. If a a coach has lost his players, there is no effort. Now you go into yesterday's game, and again, it was a high level of effort. Those guys were trying to get that game for that coach Mm -hmm. after he, what he has gone through the last week. Now I'm not sticking up. People say, Oh, you're sticking up for Matt Nagy. I'm not sticking up for anybody. I'm looking at the fact, and uh, you know, I've been in locker rooms. I know what the stuff's about. And what that poor man has gone through is atrocious. He can't go to a high school football game and watch his kid play. That's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing for his kid. It's embarrassing for his kid's team and all his teammates. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a a week that he should not have gone through. Um, And this was Matt Nagy after yesterday's win uh, when asked, what happened this week? So there was uh, a report that came out that was false, and that's where it started. And then we had practice, and and, uh, we continued with our our days, and we we had our practices like we normally would, and uh, I cleared it up with the team. And then, as as I think everybody is aware, the next day – George came in and, and, and had a good talk with the team and, and confirmed that that was true. And, uh, and then we went about our business. And how do you feel about the situation now that, now that we're here at the end of this game? Yeah, no. I, 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 so what, what I care about are these players and coaches. That's what I care about. Because they're the ones that are out there sacrificing all their time and energy to get this win. They, they deserve this. Um, when you lose five games in a row, I've been telling you this whole time, you want to go 1-0. That's it. Because you never know what can happen from there. So we'll talk about that because I think it's interesting. You never know what can happen. Okay, from and, I, and I and I got a couple little nuggets, too. Go right that, ahead. Go right ahead. That, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. But first of all, let's go to that report. Everybody said, wow, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Not for sports. Right. He'd never done anything with sports before in his life. That's correct. Okay? So he comes up with something that I can guarantee you was 100% false. Maybe somebody thought it might be the case that said something to him, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Now, from what I'm told, so I don't know if it's 100% accurate, I just think it's 99.9% accurate, mm-hmm. that when Matt spoke with Ted and 
and George on Tuesday afternoon, he forced the issue. Mm-hmm. If you're going to fire me, fire me now. Okay, if they were going to fire him Friday, today, why wouldn't they have fired him Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Does that does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so and nothing happened. So I and Bigsy's article today says, oh, I believe it started with the Bears, but it got caught out of hand. I no, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And and Dan Pompey on I think Wednesday mm-hmm. put out a tweet and he said, nobody ever, and he's been, you know, Dan is is one of the great writers in the country, let alone Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Dan said, nobody tells a coach on Monday that they're going to get fired on Friday. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen, regardless of what the sport is. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to add uh, that Mark Conkle is, yes, he won a Pulitzer Prize. He wrote for the Chicago Sun-Times. He had a rising career. And then things went awfully wrong for him. And he was fired from job after job after job. And there are reports of him being racially insensitive. When he was at the Chicago Reader, he was described as a bully and a tyrant. And was uh, one reporter claimed that Conkle tried to force him to use the N-word in a headline and a story about race. And so this guy, his his reputation has been besmirched. And that all smells to me of a reporter trying to get back in the limelight. And he threw a, 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 a dart at a target, assuming perhaps that Matt Nagy was going to be fired. And I, I believe that that was all fabrication. And Mr. Conkle is welcomed here to talk to Greg and myself to defend himself. Uh, and to talk about this because it does smell of fabrication to me, and I'm sure to Greg too. But I don't want to speak for you, Greg. No, yeah, I guarantee it was. I, in all honesty, although I never heard of the guy until last Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> and I've been here 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I never heard of the guy that came out with the the BS last Friday, who does the podcast with A Rod. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that guy until Friday afternoon. Hmm. Yeah, these are reputable people. Yeah. So you send out a tweet saying, why should management come out and and defend this baseless report? Tell me more about that. Because a lot of people are blaming management, including Brad Biggs and his 10 uh, thoughts about the game. He said that this whole thing could have been uh, 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 done with if management would have issued a statement. That's a false. Uh, that's a false story. Move on. Okay, I understand where they're coming from, and they want some. So that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's reality. The minute you give in to one false rumor, you have to give in to every false rumor, and now you're responding to everything. Right. Okay, and and if you want something to take up your time with just total bullshit, then respond to a false rumor. They responded to it in private with the people that it's important to, the players and the coaching staff. Okay, now, you know, I got... I was going back and forth texting with a a coach on, on the Bears. Okay. Yes. Yesterday in the locker room after the game. Okay. And um, 
Let me get it in here. And uh, and I got a lot of questions in the chat room. Uh, I, I promise you guys, I'll try to get to as many of them as possible here. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about, so we will do that. So, Greg, go ahead and read that text from a coach. Okay. First of all, it was really when the text, it was a, a DM from Twitter. Gotcha. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Absolutely. Okay. He, he had um, liked a tweet I had at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So I said, thanks. Not mentioning his name. Good mm-hmm. win. Just keep on working hard. He said, this came within seconds. Not one player or coach in this building has stopped giving 100%. And uh, then I said, I know, very obvious. The media is the leader of, of, of the pack with this bullshit propaganda. He said, thank you for realizing that extremely unfair and over-the-top negative coverage of the head coach who manages to never waver in the face of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I got it uh, from one standpoint, though, I, I and I agree. I see the effort on the field, but that whole week was a distraction to players. Listen to Cole Komet. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was tough for me. Um, a lot in your a lot in your head after, you know, going right from Sunday into, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then playing Thursday. And, you know, there's a lot in your head. You don't know what's true, what's not. And, um, you know, that was difficult for me. And, you know, you don't know what's going on and at the end of the day you know as, as players we kind of just you know hunkered down on sat, uh, just this Wednesday night and um, you know just felt put ourselves in a good mindset and you know we were able to do a, do a job today and get a win it I mean that's pretty much what's expected they were troubled by it because they didn't know what was right or, or wrong but they all hung together worked hard and came out with a win yeah I mean that's all you can do in a situation like that I, I think, and I, I know it sounds like I'm bitter or, or, or anti-media, but I've been here 20 years. And the one thing I've seen here, and I've been in New York, and I've been in Philly, which are, and I've been in Buffalo, and Buffalo is the whole media's pro sports team there. I mean, you know, they're, they're mild as far as, as, they give just criticism, but, you know, it's not close to what you see here in New York. New, you know, New York and Philly got a reputation. The, the, those places are mild next to this place. Mm-hmm. This place is crazy. Yeah. And when they get it in, when, when some people get it in their head that they want a guy gone, they're going to drive it and drive it and drive it until they get what they want. Yeah. And, and I think it becomes very unfair to the people involved. And, and and that leads through their constant criticism to situations like you had last Saturday at, at Matt Nagy's son's football game. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. I mean, Chicago has uh, uh, a robust media, sports media uh, landscape. There are lots of outlets. There's the major newspapers, there's the radio stations, there's right. websites and so forth. So you're going to have a, a diversity, but I know that the beat writers that cover for the Chicago bears, I think that they're legitimate people. Brad Biggs is a guy that you know, yep. is going to be journalistically ethical all the time. He is. And, and so is Dan Pompey. And, and I mean, Biggs, is a friend of mine. Right. Right. 
Okay, I mean, I've, I've known Big Biggs and I came here at the same time. I don't know where Big was before he came here, but we both got here in 2001, and and he came up to me. It was back in Platteville days. Yeah, came, you know, we we had a beer together at a bar in Platteville during training camp, and uh, and and with Molly. That's when I met Molly, and that's when I met Bigsy, and they're both at the Sun Times then. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and then they went over to the Tribune, and and. Molly starts on the score, you know, and he was on, I think he was on sporting news radio back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so, you know, everybody has grown, but um, a lot of these guys are friends of mine. And most of those people, I think they're very, very fair. There's others. And I don't want to mention names. I'm not going to, you know, that, that, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying as a whole, and, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm on the score this afternoon, later this afternoon. Hub is Hub is the host, and he asked me to come on. And Hub and I talked earlier in the week about this. Mm-hmm. And um, everything I'm saying right now, I'm going to say on 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 the scores later this afternoon. Well, and so one of the things that should come up in that discussion is like what Matthew Fochisi is asking about here, because this was a Hub Arkish report that uh, Hub reported through Shaw Media that Justin Fields was, uh, that somebody in management told uh, Matt Nagy that Justin Fields should be the starter. And it was uh, several paragraphs. I thought it was a kind of a strange hub arkish report because it was so short okay. and it didn't have a lot of detail on it and so forth. And so I was wondering, you know, what's going on? This doesn't sound like a hub report. It almost sounds read to me like it was done by somebody else. So I'm hoping that you ask him about that and then we can. Well, no, I'm not because, you know, hub as the journalist that he is, he's never going to give up a, a, a source. Absolutely. So, yeah. Could I ask in private? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the conversation we had the other day was obviously in, in, in private. But don't forget, we talked about this on this show a month ago mm-hmm. that I had a conversation with an agent friend of mine. And that agent friend of mine told me that that fields, the, the, the starting fields came from above. But mm-hmm. the coaching staff wanted to go with Andy Dalton. Yes, you did say that. Okay, so yep. um, we 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 addressed it. Now, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that that's fact because I got it. It's hearsay. You know, if we're in a court of law, that's hearsay. That somebody told me. Where'd he hear it? Well, mm-hmm. he claims he got it from a coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, like I say, it. it, it being that I've been in a courtroom a few times recently, <laughs> I, un- I understand how this stuff works. And, and, and the lawyer on the other side is going to go, objection here, side. <laughs> by, by the way, we should tell people that you're not a defendant in these court cases. <laughs> Greg doesn't have a criminal record, uh, uh, at least that I know of. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, Earl Martin does have a complaint about you. So I'll, I'll share this. Uh, Greg beats around the bush like Nagy sometimes. What's with that? You want to say anything uh, to Earl about I, that? I, well, ask Earl to better define that sentence. <laughs> yeah, tell us tell us exactly what you mean, Earl, and uh, we'll, we'll see. And then you. I'll and then I'll respond. Yeah, uh, who did we beat under Nagy? That's credible. So I think he's well. He wasn't responding to my my question there, but uh, Earl, if you've got more to add to that, I'd be glad to to bring it up here. 
So where do we go here? Where, where does that, I should say, because one of the great questions here is if you were in charge of, of, of the Bears management, what do you do with Matt Nagy now? You're going to have to reach a decision. I'm not going to say you have to do it by that because you have that two-week window. Right. Okay. Would that be ideal because you get a a little bit of a jump start? Mm -hmm. Well, it's only idea if you're the only team. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's no team that has gotten rid of their coach yet. So, you know, it might be a, a, a case of the dominoes falling and and we're going to have to see what happens. There's going to be a review at the end of the season, before the end of the season. Heck, you know, put it this way. If, if they're not going to bring them back, their mind is probably already made up. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you we don't that- know is, it, it you know, is it just one person or is it more than one person? Mm-hmm. Is it coach? And front and front office, or is it just coach? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna have to wait and see the answer to that. I, you know, I uh, and and people say I'm sticking up for Nate. You know, I'm not sticking up for anybody. I'm just, you know, I, I I know how this stuff works, and I just don't like the way that things get handled. And you know how people go for the throat and just try to destroy people here. And I, this is like now the third or fourth show that that you and I have, have talked about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, some of it I think is just totally unfair and yeah. unreasonable. And, and you know, I had some um, conversations, if you want to call it that, people would tweet it back, you know, and I said, the, the, the report from Friday, then that one guy goes, oh, sure, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He only does a podcast with A-Rob. So what? Right. Well, he, he's hey, who's the source? One person. Is that one person upset? Yes. Right, right, right. All right, Earl responded uh, with one word. He said respectfully. So I, I'd like to say this uh, on, on behalf of Matt Nagy, Greg Gabriel, and other people who are in the position of knowledge, and that there are sometimes things that you have to withhold because it's private, because you're going to lose your sources. You're going to lose friendships. You're going to, you could lose your job. If Matt Nagy goes out there and says, yeah, I was told to start Justin Fields. Well, guess what? He's going to, he he should go immediately and pack. And so when I interview people like Greg, who has a, a robust knowledge of what is going on throughout the NFL and with the Chicago bears, there are certain things he can divulge and there are certain things that he can't. Am I being right there, uh, Greg? No, you're being you're 100 correct, and 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 it's yeah, I I get it. Fans want to know everything. Do they deserve to know everything? No, it doesn't work that way. Different. Does, does, does IBM tell you everything they're going to do? They're going to mm-hmm. tell you those. Does the U.S. government tell you everything they're going to do? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> hey, you want to watch? I mean, you know. I don't care what side of the aisle I you want to listen to some liars, listen to the people in Congress. They all lie. <laughs> That's right. All and I don't care what side they're on. I, I agree 100% of that. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So the, the other thing that, 
Matt Nagy said at the end of that clip that I played is that you you got to go one and zero because you never know what can happen. Well, last year after the team went uh, through a six game losing streak, they won enough games to back into the playoffs. Right. So that is the stage that Matt Nagy is in, and he has more games to do it. There's one, two, three, four, five, six more games. They're against super tough opponents, yep. but, but you never know. They could win some of these games. You never know what the teams in the wild card race are going to do. They could potentially back into the playoffs. Am I an idiot for even bringing this up, Craig? <laughs> no, and I'll, I'll, and I'll tell you why, Aldo. Because uh-huh. off the air, we are just talking about hard knocks with the yeah. Colts. Yeah. And um, and I got a lot of respect for Frank Wright, and he was great, you know, and and and, and – Ballard has told me several times that Frank is just on such an even keel. You know, they can have a tough game and he'll go down in the locker room and he go, well, Ballard, we got to do a little better next week. You know, and, and he just never loses his composure. That's cool. So he's talking, and, and this is all with, you know, how emotional the Buffalo game, they played Buffalo last week and they just blew them out of the stadium in Buffalo, but how emotional it was for him going into that game because he played most of his career for the Bills uh, and lived there for 10 years, had three of his kids in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. has a lot of friends there. And so, you know, going back to play a game there, it's always emotional for him. Yeah. But he, he also stated that hey, we started out this year one and four. We were, we weren't a very good football team. And he said, it was just my job to, you know, you're getting killed in the media. Just keep everybody going. And it becomes a one game season. You got to win this week. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the next week. We got to win the next week. He says, "You know what? Now we got a winning record, and we started off one and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, anything can happen. I think, but besides, um, maybe backing into the playoffs, which I, I think is highly, highly unlikely. Right. You've got to also analyze and evaluate the quality of coaching decisions being made throughout the week because players." You know, players should get the credit for wins and players should get the credit for losses too. I keep hearing, I think Sean Desai says it best at these press conferences, we can call up whatever scheme. If you get the execution, you know, uh, then we look like great coaches. If we don't get the execution, then we're going to get... look like bums. Exactly. I've been saying that. The coaches don't play the game. Right. Right. You, you know, the old saying, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. But the players, in most cases, play how they practice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's give and take with that. But, I, yeah, you got to put some of them up there. There's one part of yesterday's game, and, and you probably saw my tweet, and uh, I still haven't seen an, that not, there might have been an explanation. I have not seen it. So if there is, you you may know. And that is because I thought it was critical. Why did Matt not ask for a replay on the punt play Mm. 
where the ball hit the helmet of the of the uh, oh my gosh the Lions guy and it bounced another twenty yards down the field and then there was a penalty on top of that. Right. Okay. Now the penalty was a good penalty. Yes. My thinking was the penalty should have been marked off from the spot it hit the guy's helmet. Mm-hmm. Because usually, if 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 a the kicking team if the ball hits a kicking a member of the kicking team, that's where the ball gets spotted. Yep. Okay. So why wasn't that challenged? Yes, that was a coaching error. Well, but I never heard. First of all, the people on Fox didn't even challenge it. Yeah, that's that's okay. So that's why I'm waiting. That's why I'm thinking. Is there a little something that I'm missing here? Yep. That 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 you know I'm I'm usually pretty good with the rules, but is there a little? subsection of the subsection of the subsection that, that <laughs> you know got by, got by me and and <laughs> you know because there's a penalty and all that other stuff that it that it uh uh it it uh it took away from hitting hitting the guy uh-huh. you know at the 45 yard line or wherever the hell it was you know but it, it, the the difference in it, it made about a 20 or 25 yard difference in, in drive start mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the Bears. Mm-hmm. Did it end up being critical? I don't remember what happened on that drive. So I, I you know, I'd have to go back and look at the play-by-play. But um, I, I just thought at the time that should have been reviewed. And maybe that's a situation because there was a penalty, you can't even review it. See, that that's that's why I wish there was some sort of explanation. I, I totally, totally agree. And uh, the officiating... To, uh, Regarding Gary's last question there, he thinks that the refereeing has gotten worse since uh, gambling has been allowed in this country. And I think Greg will agree with me when I say officiating has always had problems. But uh, now, Matt, I'll tell you, when I first saw the original replay, I didn't think that was a fumble on on the where he looked at the the yes for the replay and, and the Bears got the ball. Yeah. I a- did not think that was a fumble at first, and the replay showed it was clearly a fumble. Yep. And he and he did a good job with that. Yep. Uh, the other the other one, and I think it was on the the Lions' first drive when mm-hmm. they when they got their their touchdown. It might have been their second drive where there was a fumble, but the Bears defender was out of bounds when he got control of it. He had one foot, you know, on the line. You know, I, I thought when I first saw it. Well, you gotta you gotta throw the red flag on that one and look for a replay. But then when you see it again, you saw the guy was probably two inches out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Eduardo has a question. He says, "What would you do? You know, what about pace? I mean, he he bears responsibility for the fact that the Bears have not won a playoff game during his seven year tenure." It's a very fair argument, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and that. I, I've been doing this show for what a year and a half now, or something like that. Correct. I don't like to speculate on people's future. Should they get fired? Should they not get fired? Because I've been in those situations, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, I, I'm very uncomfortable talking about that because to me, it's a very personal thing. Sure. You know, and and, and so. Do I think changes are in order? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Has has it grown the way we want it to grow? Mm-hmm. No. 
But now let's back up a little bit and look at some of the facts or what may be facts, but we don't know for sure if they are facts. And boy, my straddle on the fence here. The, um, the Justin Fields situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've heard that it might have been a management decision. Matt is never going to admit that one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it was a management decision when the head coach fully knew that the rookie wasn't ready to play and it was better for him that he sits and if Andy plays like Matt wanted him to play all year and this team now is sitting with a a winning record versus a losing record, would we even be having this show? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or, Or the conversation that we're having. So now, does that come into effect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you're making a decision on whether to keep a coach and a general manager or not keep a coach and a general manager? Because the coach could say, you know, fire me, but what did I tell you? And uh, Greg, allow me to, to say this. I think that's been part of the problem with this franchise is that there has been a lack of synchronicity when how and when they start. That's a big word. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, that's. A I t- got that Buffalo education here. You might get. <laughs> well, what I mean is, when they brought in Ryan Pace, right? They should right. have said, "Okay, here are the keys to Hallis Hawk. You make the decision on the coach." I mean, that's part of the interview process, like you pointed. Yeah, out. but he was he wasn't allowed the decision on the first coach. Right. Well, but that's my point is that when they brought him in, you said uh, on Monday's show that one of the first things you ask a guy who is interviewing for the GM uh, job is which coach would you bring in? Who are the assistants? Who do you know? Who who would you bring in and so forth, which makes total sense. That's what they should have asked Ryan Pace. And if Ryan Pace says, well, let's let Ernie do it. Or if management said, Ernie will bring in the coach, you do everything else, then that's wrong. That is wrong. you got to bring in a GM. Who well, what, what, what I understand on, on that one was that, you know, their thinking was that, you know, Ernie been in the league for what? Since the 40 years. Yeah, since the beginning of time. Um, and had experience hiring and firing coaches, and you've got a brand new general manager who has never been in that capacity before. Maybe we got to help. And you know what happened? Well, let's back up a little bit. Here's what I think. Because I remember I was in Buffalo when, when John Fox got divorced from, from Denver. Okay. And that was a mutual agreement. Mm -hmm. I was visiting my kids and that was, just a few days after Ryan Pace got hired. Like that might have happened on a Monday and Pace had gotten hired the Thursday before, something like that. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. it was a very close proximity. I remember saying to my my son-in-law, John Fox will be the next coach of the Chicago Bears. Mark it down right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He said, why do you say that? I said, because the guy doing the advising is Ernie Corsi, and Ernie Corsi loves John Fox. 
And how do I know that? Because I work with Ernie Acorsi and John Fox at the New York Giants. And I remember one conversation very, very well in our draft meetings. And, and John was the defensive coordinator at that time. Mm-hmm. For uh, Jim Fossil was the head coach. John was the defense coordinator. And Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator. They had pretty good staff. Mm-hmm. And Ernie said, John Fox is a royal fucking pain in the ass, but he's going to make a great head coach. You never forget a conversation like that. Absolutely. You know, and so as soon as, and and the next year, or not the next year, but, you know, that the year after that or two years after that, I'm here. And then you fast forward another 12 years after that. And and I'll back up and tell you some other stuff. I might've brought it up before. um, But when John became available and Ernie was the consultant, to me, it was that was a done deal. John was coming here. Yeah, a lot of, um, that that was the mistake. But go, please go well, on. The you know, <laughs> at the time, no, it wasn't. And, and John is a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I love him dearly. But did he go all in here? I don't think so. And I'm that's my feeling. Okay, interesting. Okay, I, I just think that, you know, I, I know his intensity level. And I've known, and, and I first met John Fox in the 80s, and he was the defensive back coach at the University of Pittsburgh. And I had known him for, a, you know, a few years at that point from making school calls. So that's how we, and he goes, I got an opportunity to go to the Steelers as the DB coach. Chuck Knoll was that coach. Goes, do you think that's a good situation? Mm-hmm. I said, how fast can you get over there? <laughs> you know, that's a no-brainer, John. You mm-hmm. got to do that, and which he did. And <clears throat> you know, he he became a, a great assistant coach in the NFL, a great coordinator in the NFL, and to be totally honest, and I might have said this a few shows ago, but when we first came here in 2001, and I think everybody knows this, that you know the Bears are coming off an awful season from 2000, mm-hmm. but we didn't get the job until June. Yeah. And they, you know, Jerry was told, I can't say we were told, Jerry was told, Mm-hmm. when he got hired, when he was going through the interview process, that, um, you know, you get the job, Dick Duran has to be your coach next year. It's it's too late to make a change. And they were 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Who the hell are you going to get in June? You know, so, but he said at the end of the season, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So coming off the season that the Bears came off of in 2000, we were under the assumption that we're probably going to have a new coach next year. So part of the work we did that fall, early in the fall, was starting to 
put together a list of, of candidates. And who was it near the top or at the top, one of the top group? John Fox. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, that's he was still <laughs> defensive coordinator for the Giants. That was his last year. Mm-hmm. And fate has it. <laughs> we end up going 13 and three, I think the record was, and and get to the playoffs, lose to Philadelphia in, in the opening round. But John had done such a great job in New York, he gets the Carolina job in 2002, and he does a great job in Carolina. He takes Carolina to a Super Bowl. That's right. Then he goes to Denver, and he takes <laughs> Denver to a Super Bowl. But, you know, he had, he had some health problems in Denver. Mm-hmm. Heart, you know, heart issues, you know? Yeah, yeah. He dropped. He had to drop a lot of weight and stuff. And, and you know, John could party. Because I, <laughs> I can tell you some stories there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> People, I, I will. I, there's one story I will tell. I but yeah, the... But I, I just don't know, and I'm saying this, he's never said anything. I, I just don't know if he was all totally in the way you got to be in Yeah. by the time he got here. I thought he put together a pretty good staff. Uh, he put together an outstanding staff. And yeah, that, but that they, was the just, right, and, and <clears throat> because of his experience, even though Ryan was the GM, uh-huh. at least in the first couple years, mm-hmm. John, you know, could, for lack of a better term, bully him to do exactly what he wanted. Right. Okay. So, but then, you know, it was Nagy's choice to hire, or not Nagy, Ryan Pace's choice to hire Matt Nagy. And let's be fair. Matt Nagy was the hot guy, and we've, yeah. we've talked about that before. And if you go on his first year, he was coach of the year, correct? Yep, exactly. Okay, well, you know, and then it went downhill from there. So the question then is, uh, since it appears that Matt Nagy will continue to coach the team for this last third of the season – and if he is fired at all, it might be to take advantage of that two-week window where they can get a head start. But perhaps there are going to be no moves made because management, George Hallis, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 George McCaskey and Ted Phillips might be considering doing a restructure of the front office with Ryan Pace and so forth. Maybe moving Ryan Pace into Ted Phillips' job. Maybe firing Ryan Pace and so forth. So I well, think Ryan Pace is not going to get Ted Phillips' job. You had you had R- mentioned that before. Yeah, Ryan time. Pace is not qualified to do Ted Phillips' job. Mm-hmm. Ted Phillips is a businessman. He's a finance major. But he's got a he's got a master's in business from Northwestern, and his job, his main job right now, is to build that stadium down the street from you. Now everybody knows you live in Arlington Heights. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> so, uh, and is Ryan Pace qualified to do that? And everything involved. 
you know, there, there, there's a lot of politics involved with this. Oh, oh my gosh. And you're talking, and, and, and I mean, just look at the numbers. Costing them, what, $197 million for the parcel of land? Yes. Okay, how much do you think it's going to cost to take down that racetrack? And then, you know, and, and the infrastructure work, and part of that will be, you know, government subsidized, especially with roads and things like that. But then, you know, the Bears are going to get their money back on that land. Mm-hmm. Not a doubt in my mind, because they're going to either sell off or lease off a lot of that land for, you know, it's going to become a destination place in Metro Chicago mm-hmm. because there's going to be a lot more than just a stadium there. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this, because uh, one of the things that you had talked about on our last show when we were on this topic is because a lot of people are saying, you know, the team needs somebody who is above Ryan Pace, who uh, can offer advice. So I'm looking at the at the Broncos front office uh, org chart, and the president and CEO of the Broncos is a guy named Joe Ellis. And then the executive... And he's, and he's, a, he's the Ted Phillips guy of the... Right, exactly. Right. So then they have John Elway as president of football operations and George Patton as the general manager. So the question then is, shouldn't the Bears be considering a president of football operations to to uh, mirror what other teams are doing because they seem to be getting more success than the Chicago Bears, although the Broncos might, be, <laughs> might not be the best example? Well, number one, I think... John is on his way out. Elway's on his way out. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's he's a valued member of the franchise for what he did for the franchise, more so as a player than as a front office executive. In fact, as a front office executive, you could say not he wasn't a complete failure, but he didn't do wasn't that great. Okay. And I think George Payton, who was here at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was here before we were, uh, along with uh, Rick Spielman. They, uh, you know, I think George is going to be a very, very strong general manager. He already is a strong general manager. He's 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 kind of proven that in a short time, right. and he and he's got control. So, I think Elway is more of a advisor than anything else. And don't forget, you got a first-year GM, but you got a first-year GM that mm-hmm. has a hell of a lot more experience than than Ryan Pace had when Ryan came here. Mm-hmm. You know, G- George Payton has been around the block. He has been in an executive per, uh, position for well over twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very well qualified and a great guy, and was offered numerous jobs. Mm-hmm. over the last 10 years and turned them all down, say in Minnesota. Wow. You know, I think he was waiting for what he felt was the exact right opportunity and that he wasn't going to just take any opportunity. And, and and Ballard said it to me too, talking about it. He goes, you know, the way things are in this league now, you only get one swing. So you better go to the right place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or you could be out the door and then, Trying to get back in the door is pretty damn hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, and, and Chris, I, I think, you know, he ended up, he's got an extension. So he's already on a, 
you know, a second contract. And, you know, people, a lot of people refer to him as one of the top GMs in the league, if not the top GM in the league. Yeah. So, uh, but that, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I had a, that was yesterday because Pompey is pushing for that president of football operations gig. And I sent a text to Dan. I said, Dan, I can't agree with you. And he said, why? And I said, because basically you got two GMs. And, and same thing I said on here the other day. I said, your G, if you do that, your GM is nothing but a glorified director of player personnel. Right. Getting more money, <laughs> you know, and because he's got a GM title. And I said, I'd rather hire a strong GM and a strong director of player personnel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he goes, well, I'm, I'm good with that. You know, I got the, t- the text in my phone. I can read it right to you. you know, that, uh, it's the same as I did with with the one coach. Yeah. But the, um, you know, I said, they haven't, you may disagree with this, but there hadn't been a strong GM here since Jerry left. Jerry uh, Angelo, yes. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. Now, pe- there's people that, that didn't like Jerry. Jerry was a damn good GM. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and facts are facts. We got to the playoffs four times. We won three division titles, and we got to a Super Bowl. And we drafted 12 Pro Bowl players. Mm-hmm. Okay, has that been done since? Nope. Nope. We had more success than anybody since Mike Ditka was here. That is correct. Okay. So, so, uh, since we're on the topic, uh, uh, one complaint that I had with Jerry is that he failed to put together he, – he did a brilliant job of acquiring Jay Cutler. I thought that was a brilliant move. Um, young quarterback with lots of uh, potential to get even better. But what he failed to do was bring in some of the resources a quarterback needs, a really durable, sturdy Dependable offensive line and some playmakers. Well, we had no, we had the line before that. Mm-hmm. It just didn't keep. It. And I don't remember what all our what our cap situation was. Mm-hmm. But when we were on our, our before we got Jay, our offensive line was outstanding. It was one of the best lines in football. Mm-hmm. John Tate, left tackle. Yeah, yeah. Roberto Garza, left guard. Yeah. Olin Cruz was the center. Ruben Brown was the right guard and Fred Miller was the right tackle. Yeah. I'll put that line up against anybody. Yeah. It's good and how about what, how many were drafted in that group? One. Mm-hmm. Olin Krutz. And that was before we got here. Mm-hmm. We got John Tate in free agency, Garza in free agency, Ruben Brown in free agency, and Fred Miller in free agency. Mm-hmm. So but as time went on, Cutler was just taking a beating. Remember the nine sacks in the first half of the Giants game? I was only with Jay one year, then I was gone. So I, you know, but that was and, a problem. And, 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 and Jerry and Jerry was only with Jay for two seasons. Yeah. See, 
that's the problem. It just there doesn't seem to be, you know, you know, when you're playing golf and you get into a rhythm and you hit the the fairway and then the next shot it's on the green and then you hit a good putt, you get your birdie or you get your par. Just seems like the Bears front office is. And never- then you hit it out of bounds when you go tee it up on the next hole. That's what happens with the Bears. <laughs> Because I know that I know that part of the golf game real well. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, you're getting a lot of votes in the in the chat room for you to become the general manager. We've talked about this before. If they were to hire, if they were to offer you their job, you jump at it. But you have to say, yeah, you know, you're yeah, a little yeah, they're, not, they're not gonna, you know, that that's that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but what would you do at this point? I mean, if they said if they brought you into that Ernie or or Cosi role, you know, to act as a consultant, tell us a little bit about what you might do, what you would tell uh, Ryan Pace. If they told you Ryan Pace isn't going anywhere, but we'd love for you to have a talk with him. Well, and- I, 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 you know, in, in, in all honesty, there's things that I say, but I can't say it on here. Gotcha. I tell you off the air. Only because you're talking about people's lives. Absolutely. And you know me well enough that, oh, Gabriel said that, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not, I don't get into that. That That's fair enough. I mean, I, yeah. The headline will be, Greg Gabriel wants blank, blank fired. You know, yeah, so we don't yeah, want we, no, we don't. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I, I totally appreciate and respect that. Um, moving forward. What I would like you to ask is in terms of, you know, we, we talked about what you would ask a potential general manager and, and you responded by who would, who are you going to bring in? Who are you? Who right, are, right. Well, who, I, who, who's going to be your director of player personnel? Are you going to have a director of player personnel? Okay. Who's going to be your director of player personnel? Who's your list? Because mm-hmm. you might not be, be able to get the top guy. You might have to go to number two or no, number three. So, who, you know, who are those guys? Who's your top guys for for scouting director? Who's college scouting director? Who's your top guy for pro personnel director? And obviously, who's your coaching candidates? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and then, you know, you, you got to know his philosophy on the draft. Factor, you know, how, all sorts of things. So what's somebody asking here? Factor has a good question. He says, in terms of criticism, do you have, can you point out one mistake that Pace may have done, in your opinion, when in terms of team building? Well, I, I don't think he had to trade up to make the Mitchell Trubisky pick. <sighs> that, that, that was a But, you know, but let's, let's go back. And reality was that a lot of people thought Cleveland wanted Trubisky and Cleveland had a ton of draft capital Mm -hmm. and he's from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And so there was rumor that Cleveland may try to go up and get him. They had the number one pick Mm -hmm. and they might try to go up and and get him. Did, Did they have number one that year? Uh, yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and they might go up and try to get them, you know, move up. I think they had number 10 then was the next one to try to go up and get them. And so, and Ryan invade that trade literally, a, a, you know, a week before, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't announce it, but so, 
I, I think he got so fixated on the one player that he was going to make sure he got him. Mm-hmm. Now, did he have to? No, that that's when you, you, what's the word I want? You, you bring fear into the equation. Mm-hmm. And so then you, you overthink it. Okay. But you know, that's hindsight and we can talk hindsight all day and doesn't mean anything, but you know, I, I, I still think if they would have stayed at three, they they would have got him. Yeah. There is, as Chris Watts uh, points out here, there has been some evaluation. Mike Lennon. Yes. Uh, that was, and that one is, is be fair. That, that here's what I was told. Um, that Ryan really liked Mike Lennon coming out. I think Mike was at North Carolina state, if I'm correct. Which sounds right. And, you know, studied his career early in the in the uh, in his career, and just thought that the makeup was right. I would never was never a, a Glennon fan myself, um, but so that that one's on him, yeah. And that was you know a, a costly mistake, and really a double one. You bring him in. You know, it was like the, like the Andy Dalton thing, really. You're bringing in the veteran, knowing darn well that you're still going to draft a um, a quarterback in the first round. Because I guarantee you, he knew he was going to take – he might not have known he was going to take Mitch, but he knew he was going to take a quarterback mm-hmm. with that pick. Um you know, I, I'd love to have a discussion with him. Why Mitch over? And and I'm not even going to put Mahomes in here. And people are going to say, "Well, you're crazy." Well, if everybody thought Mahomes was going to be Mahomes, he would have gone first overall. Mm-hmm. I think it was my, Garrett went first in that draft, right? Um, yeah, Miles Garrett went first in that draft. Correct, Miles so, Garrett. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If everybody thought that that. Patrick Mahomes was going to turn out the way that he has turned out. He would have been the first pick in in the draft, regardless of the type of player Miles Garrett was. And Miles Garrett would have gone second. Yeah, I okay, will. So it, it was really, you know, there's a lot of people that thought that. Um, in, in fact, I had conversations with his agent, which is Lee Steinberg, mm-hmm. and Lee thought a month before the draft that he was probably a 10 to 15 guy. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and it may be a little bit lower because there's people that just, number one, nobody from that offense has ever had success. He really didn't win at Texas Tech. There's a lot of gunslinger to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so there was, I know I talked to Ballard. Ballard loved him. Ballard went to watch him play three times live. Just loved him. And he was gone to the Colts then when, um, but Andy still knew what, what Chris felt. And so did John Dorsey, who was the the GM at that time, you know, and they made the trade to move up and, and get Mahomes, but he could have had Watson. Could have had Watson. I, I would have liked to known really what, what, what the feeling was on, on Watson. 
Yeah, it's it, it uh, it's weird because there have been uh, reports from guys like Adam Johns, who I, I think is a guy who isn't going to fabricate things. He's a good reporter. That very good. The Bears did not even take him out to dinner. They took out to dinner. Um, um, uh, Mahomes and Trubisky were the two guys that they were eyeing the most, uh, which is fascinating because if they weren't unable to make that trade up and if Trubisky was chosen before them, then the Bears might have ended up with Patrick Mahomes, which would have been, you know. Well, here, here's the thing with that, though. Sometimes, you know, you got the old smoke screen thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't, don't, you know. Uh, yeah, I hear yeah. what, you. What you see is not necessarily what you think. <laughs> I, love, I love that part of the season. You always send out a tweet. It was saying, don't believe anyone. <laughs> and, and lying season is about to start. The, <laughs> but, but really, so it's okay. We really want Watson. Uh, so we, now they, they made a big deal. They sent the whole crew down to Watson's pro day. Mm-hmm. And he had the first pro day. They had Fox was there. Gase was, I don't know. Gase was already gone by then. Wasn't he? Yes. Um, okay. Fox was there. Um, yeah. Gase was in Miami by that point. Right. Um, Dowell Loggins. Uh, Pace was there. I think uh, Lucas was there. Everybody, you know, they all went. Yeah, and it was well reported that they were all at the pro day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they didn't have a private workout with them, as right. far as I know. Right. Well, uh, somebody in the chat says, "Well, who are some of the uh, if the Bears were to make a move, who are some of the head coaching candidates you you like?" And you've made no secret about this. You are in love with the guy from Buffalo, Brian Dable. Brian Dable, uh, Todd Bowles, Dave Tobe, Ryan Day. It's a great, 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 great list of candidates. I, I'd be super happy if those four gentlemen walked into Hallisaw to interview for the job. And, and, and if Ryan Day, Ryan Day, I, I got him on there. One of the reasons because he's coached in the league. Uh-huh. So it's not like he's a, you, you're you're taking a guy that's been strictly a college coach. He's coached in the NFL. He's been a quarterback coach. Right. So he, he knows the, the pro game. Mm-hmm. And he's got a very close, intimate relationship with the guy he drafted last year, which, you know, has got to have some part of the equation, got to be some part of the equation as far as the thinking process. Right. You know, you at least got to talk to the guy if he, in fact, wants to talk to you. You know, mm-hmm. he may say, no, I'm, I'm staying here for the next 10 years. Right. And um, some people in the chat room are just anti-Ryan Pace, and, and I am for the most part. But I, I do, uh, I do believe that there is an opportunity for Ryan Pace to correct some of the errors that he's made. We have seen it with other teams, teams that are winning now, like the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Arizona Cardinals, the San Diego Chargers. All of those GMs are on their third head coach pick, and so maybe if 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 Ryan Pace is given the opportunity to pick a third head coach, maybe that's where he hits a jackpot and uh, he, he possibly has that quarterback now. Uh, so Tampa, I Tampa Bay is, is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I, mean, I did not like what, you know, to go back to history, Lovey handpicked him to be the GM. Lovey, you know, he was GM in name. Lovey was in charge. 
Right. But after one year, he stabbed Lovey in the back. I've heard. It that. might have been two years, and 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 I lost all respect for him. Wow. After that, you know, I just didn't. You know, you got to have loyalty to the guy who hired you, mm-hmm. regardless. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Jerry hired me, and Jerry and I worked together in New York for for four years, going you know in the eighties. Uh, and then he went to Tampa Bay, but we were always very close after that. And my first loyalty here wasn't to a McCaskey, wasn't to the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. wasn't to Lovey Smith. It was to Jerry Angelo. Mm-hmm. Jerry gave me the job. A lot of people in the chat room are saying that the Bears are too cheap to pay a guy like Ryan Day, who is making $6.7 million this season and probably will make much more if he stays at Ohio State. Do you think the Bears would give Ryan Day a contract like $8 million, $10 million a season for five to ten years? If that's what it costs to get the coach they want, they're going to pay it. I don't think that's ever, ever, ever been a problem. Look at the money they're paying some of these players. When they signed, when they traded for Khalil Mack and gave him a contract, he was the highest or second highest paid defensive player in the National Football League at the time. Right. Money is not an issue. They've. Don't forget, let's go back. You're just getting ready to spend $197 million just to buy a piece of property. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, And then God knows how many more billions to um build a stadium yep okay so yeah i think if they got to give a coach seven or eight million dollars they're gonna (laughs) come on but it's got to be the right choice you can't ryan pace can't go back there and say let's do you ever do you ever know it's the right choice yeah well that's that's great i mean you're absolutely right but when you're going to make an investment that much to make a guy the highest paid coach in the NFL or one of the highest paid. Well, yeah, going to be because Belichick makes over. I, I saw one figure he makes $18 million. I don't know if that's – and that wasn't that long ago that I saw that. But he makes a lot of money. And well, he deserves every penny of it. He yet. sure does because not only is he the head coach, he's the head poobah. Yeah, I mean, he runs yeah. everything. Right. He, he tells everybody what to do, that, even the ball boy, yep. <laughs> if you get what I mean. I know. I know where you're going on that. <laughs> so I agree with you. I don't Put two think... less pounds of air on that football, please. <laughs> you think there's any truth to that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Love said. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an allegation. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> Tell us a cheating story that you are aware of. Uh, that I, you can I say don't know if I have any. I, I want to tell my John, I want to tell my John Fox story because all right, let's funny. hear this John Fox the, story. <laughs> is my last official event with the Giants. Uh-huh. And so it was right after the two that was a month before I came here, and, and right after I um, or it was right after that 2001 draft, and we the next night we always the whole group, the scouting staff and the coaching staff, everybody involved with the draft that helped with the draft. The you know ownership took us out to dinner, and we would 
go to like Smith and Walensky's in Manhattan or Gallagher's in Manhattan, we'd alternate each year. This particular year, we went to Smith and Walensky's in Manhattan. So we had like a, a private room on the second floor and um, we had four at a table. And I don't remember for the life of me who the, the fourth person was at the table, but there was Rick Donahue who was died two years ago, a very close friend of mine. He was the assistant GM for the Giants at the time. John Fox, myself, and I don't have a clue who the the fourth person was because it was totally irrelevant because it wasn't part of the, the story. So anyway, Rick Donahue was a very big wine connoisseur. So He's looking at the wine list and, and Wellington Mara said, you know, you guys can do what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, don't worry about the price. And which brings up another story about a Corsi that I got it. Okay. <laughs> at that same night, the, cause Ernie was the GM, the, so Rick's looking at, he goes, let's get a bottle of this. And it was Opus One red wine. You ever heard of it? Uh, I heard it's very expensive. Well, this is 2001 and it was $249.95 a bottle. Yeah, a little, little above what I would pay. I looked it up the other day because I was thinking about it and it was like more than double that right now for the same. It's over 500, like 560 bucks for a bottle. So, and then Rick makes a comment. He goes, those winos out there in the park, he goes, they drink your piss just to have a <laughs> So that's enough. I shouldn't say that. But anyway, we didn't drink one bottle. We didn't drink two bottles. We didn't drink three bottles. We drank four. Whoa. <laughs> so, and the reason I say I don't remember who the, the, fourth person was at the table because they didn't drink any wine. <laughs> that was just Fox, Rick, and I drank wow. four bottles of Opus One. Nice. And then, you know, we, we went on a bus from Giant Stadium into Manhattan, so nobody had to drive. Mm -hmm. And then we get back, and everybody's just totally plowed. Uh -huh. So... John, Rick, and I, we went right into the training room and you have the, the training tables that mm -hmm. the trainers work on you. That that was bed that night. Because <laughs> there was no way we were even getting in a car to drive, you know, John to drive home, Rick to drive home, and me to drive the hotel uh, that the scouts were at. That's awesome. But the other part with the Corsi uh -huh. in, in, in that story was, you know, he gets the bill for the night uh -huh. and I was just, I just happened to be over at his table and he looks at it. He goes, Oh fuck. He goes, and he goes, what's 20% of $6,700. <laughs> and, and um, I, you know, so right away I, I went like 13, four or, or, you know, yeah. $1,340. Right. <laughs> And he goes, okay, puts it down. And then I didn't think of it, and he didn't think of it. When you get a big party like that, they yeah. already got the chip in there. That's right. He got double dipped. 
That's the guy that chose John Fox. No, just kidding. <laughs> and Ryan Pace. And Ryan Pace. <laughs> That's hilarious. What a great story. He gave he gave them an extra thirteen hundred bucks. <laughs> that is nice, man. Oh man. <laughs> Well, you've got a million and one stories, and hopefully we'll get through uh, a lot of them uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I know this, that the Chicago Bears, we have one-third of the season left. Would you be surprised if this team won the majority of their games? Let's take a look at the schedule real quick. Uh, what's ahead? We've got Arizona next week at home. Then it's the Packers on the road. What's, that? What, what's the preliminary forecast? Let me look. Well, that's a, that's a long way off. That's more than 10 Well, I'm, I'm going to look right now. Yeah, but I'll tell you this. Um, Kyler Murray should be back for that game. And that if Roquan Smith is not available to play in that game, that's going to be a really tough victory, even if the conditions are, the, are, are such that – you know, um, that would favor the Bears uh, in, in the conditions being, you know, a soggy field uh, to slow the, the high-flying Cardinals offensive attack. So that's week three. Right now, the, the, the preliminary forecast is uh-huh. high of 37, low of 30. You think that is enough to maybe favor the Bears by uh, a little? Well, it's, it's not going to hurt the Bears, put it that way. Mm-hmm. You got, number one, a dome team and a dome team from – a real hot area. Right. And and the cold. The the one game I'll never forget here, but it was a lot colder. We played Atlanta on a Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. And it was like eight degrees out. Mm-hmm. Those guys didn't even, Atlanta didn't even show up. Oh, man. That's what I'd like to see. They, they We just, we totally blew them out. Right. So, and they had a good team. Michael Vick was a quarterback, and they had a they had a good team. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They weren't playing in that stuff. If um, we 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 got the report yesterday that uh, Justin Fields has like sort of like microscopic cracks in he got his a fracture. Knee. He got a fra- He got some yeah cracks. Do I think he's going to play? No. Okay, this is I, I I'm glad you brought that up because you I had- think he's one I I. I would bet that it's one more game. Yeah. You had said earlier that the Bears were in a prime position. When Andy Dalton got hurt, you uh, you said, you know how long Andy Dalton's going to be hurt? As as long as the Bears need him to be. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing what you said. Basically, what you meant is if Justin Fields plays well, then Andy Dalton's going to be hurt for a long time. And so perhaps Andy Dalton has earned, in Matt Nagy's eyes, has earned another start to see if they can make a run. Because if Andy Dalton goes in against the Arizona Cardinals and he leads the team to three or four touchdowns, then why, if now if you're back in the playoff hunt, why would you bring the rookie in if you really want to make the playoffs? Well, Matt's already made the statement that he said when when Justin's ready to play, he's he's the starter. Oh, I missed that. Okay. 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 So, but... You're dealing, you know, that those rib injuries, especially on a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, it, it affects your breathing. It affects your throwing. Yeah, There's a lot, you know, the, the um, golf for the Lions missed a, a couple of weeks and he just had an oblique injury, which is more of a muscle strain mm-hmm. than, you know, like a, some minute fractures in his ribs. But, you know, you got to think about the future with this kid. 
mm-hmm. and you can't put him in harm's way if he's not ready to go. That's my thinking anyway. You yeah. know, the, his his future is a lot more important than one game. I, I agree with that. But my, my whole point here is, you know how badly Matt Nagy needs to make the playoffs to save his job? And if he feels... I don't know if he, I, I don't know if he needs to make the playoffs, but let's say... Let's say that they win a couple games that you shouldn't. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to – Minnesota's been playing better football. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have much rather played Minnesota week two and week four because mm-hmm. they stunk. But um, they've been playing a lot better. But I think you, you, you're going to split with Minnesota. I don't think you're going to beat Green Bay up there unless Green Bay we'll, – we'll put that schedule up. When they how – how far from the end is – uh, Are they they're, they're, the the week after the Cardinals uh, is the Packers and oh then, the Packers yeah that well they're that that's um, <laughs> Seattle's look, winnable New York's winnable one of the Viking games is winnable uh-huh. so that's three you got to get lucky against I, I personally I don't think the Cardinals are as good as people make them out to be I I I think that's a winnable game. Well, Laz has said that he'll take the Cardinals, you take the Bears, and the bet will be a round of golf next spring. <laughs> where? where? Where, Laz? In your neck of the woods. I'm sure he'd love to come out. I won't m- mention where you live in case you've got that. <laughs> Some creditors from looking for you. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think any creditors look for you. <laughs> some, some crazy, I won't say it. Um, all right, so. But the biggest thing right now that could convince management to keep Matt Nagy is if Justin Fields gets back in the lineup and then just starts lighting things up, two, three touchdowns a game. Isn't that the biggest thing? I don't even know if it's Justin Fields back. It's the offense has got to light things up. Okay. Okay, so let's assume that he doesn't play now. And and theoretically, they should have had one more touchdown on the board yesterday, but they didn't. Andy Andy was just a little bit light on that one throw. Mm -hmm. Um, But the offense, the the running game was not good. I thought Detroit did a a great job defensive game plan going in saying, okay, we're going to take away the run. We're going to make them pass. Well, they passed pretty good. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think A-Rob will be back. There's not 10 more days. Mm-hmm. A-Rob's going to be back. Um, Goodwin's got, what, an ankle? Correct. But, yeah, with the, uh, I'll tell you, I like the little guy. What's his name, the return? I can't even think of it. Uh, Gibson Grant. or no. Grant. Grant. Yeah. A little sucker can make plays now. Yeah, he's got a great acceleration, man. Oh, he, he is fast. And, and, and uh, you know, if you, he's a gadget guy. Mm-hmm. And I never played right away, I was thinking, know what I was thinking about him? Know what he is? He, he is because we don't know what's going to happen with Tariq Cohen. Uh huh. Oh, he's yeah. Taking that, he's taking that role. And if he does, then that would be uh, a great trade because I think they traded a sixth or seventh rounder. By the way, Laz says that golf course that he, uh, he'll bet you Pine on. Meadows? Yeah. You've played there before, right? Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not love. I, I played Pine Meadows about five years ago and I thought it was in great shape. Then I played there not this past summer, summer before. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it'd gone downhill as far as, as, uh, that was the pandemic summer, right? Yeah. 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 I, I didn't think that the course was in, in really good shape. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's a really nice track. Mm-hmm. 
Um, all right. So if if you want to take that bet on, uh, Laza says, and we'll bring Aldo too. So I'm hoping that you will take that bet on. I just want to see you guys play golf against one against one another. And we can make a show out of it. <laughs> I'm almost thinking like a. I pop. just I'm an old man now. I I I don't play from the tips now. I, I know you don't. That's hey, why, I, and Laz knows that too. That's why he he's thinking he'll he'll win some money that day against you. <laughs> so. He doesn't right. know what my handicap is, and I ain't saying. <laughs> you you have played a lot of golf in your life, but yeah, but my handicap now is not close to what my handicap was right when I came here in two thousand one. Yeah, you've had a, a couple of surgeries and so forth. Yeah, more than a couple <laughs> since I, since I've been here. One, two, I've had at least six. What about Thunderhawk? Have you played Thunderhawk? Six. I love Thunderhawk. Yeah, at least six since I've been here. Holy cow! Well, Laz says we can change it to uh, Thunderhawk Golf. Thunderhawk. Course. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, Thunderhawk is great when you pay the. You know, I'm, I'm a senior citizen. Yeah. My the, the um, greens fee for seniors is great. Yeah, I can't wait till I hit that. Because <laughs> it's got to be, it's got to be sixty or sixty-two, depending on the course. Oh, okay. Well, I'm already there then. So, okay. yeah. Uh, uh, Matthew Fochizi says we can uh, eat some edibles and drink some beers while we play golf. Uh, you're not an edibles guy, right? <laughs> right <laughs> For pain relief, maybe? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All right. Any last words, uh, Greg? Uh, I know you've got a, a shot on the score with Hub Arkish later this afternoon. What time is that on? Because I do not want to miss it. 3.40. 3.40 p.m. That's 6.70 the score a.m. Uh, I will not only be listening to that, I'm going to record it. Maybe we'll play a little bit about uh, of that uh, the next time we have a show. Are we having a show next week since there's no game Sunday? That's up to you. I, I, we ought to do one like we did last week, a little later in the week, and then preview. Yeah. Let's see where things are, you know, with injuries. Um, you know, who's going to be back? Right. Uh, you know, is Akeem Hicks going to be back? Is uh, A-Rob going to be back? Uh, yeah. Is Roquan going to be back? And, and you're going to need really Akeem and Roquan to pay the Cardinals more. Than you're, you know, if those two guys are out, then, you know, I then it's, it's a different game. Because Roquan, my God, I mean, the, the until he got hurt yesterday with that hammy and hammy, he's got 10 days and I didn't see, I know what play did it. He did it on that pursuit play where he, you know, hit the back right at, at, at the boundary sideline boundary there, right. but it, it didn't look like he pulled a ham, but obviously yeah. he did, or at wow. least strained it. Yeah. But those, those could be two, three week injuries. Yeah. That's the scary part. Cause we, we'd love to see him play this last third of season, every game and uh, Hicks and Danny T are done, right? Uh, no, I don't think Hicks is done. Hicks is still on the roster. Danny Trevathan's on uh, IR right now. I don't know how long. What's he got a foot? Yeah, I think it's a foot injury. Yeah, yeah, I don't. You know, so he's on. He's on a minimum three games, and he's already had one, so he is not going to be around for the Cardinals. Right. And uh, one last, uh, a couple of questions regarding the college football: Is Notre Dame going to sneak into? the the uh the top four 
I don't think so. I, I you know, there, there's a chance, but what's going to hurt them? I, you know, that they, they play on the road at Stanford tomorrow. I think they win that game big. Yep. Um, unless the weather's atrocious out in the Bay Area, and this time of the year it can be, and mm. it's a night, it's a night game. Mm. Night game here at what four o'clock Eastern, four or five o'clock Eastern time game, or um, West Coast time rather. Right. But they Cincinnati would have to lose in the AAC championship game. Mm-hmm. Alabama would have to lose in the SEC championship game. And if that happens, then I think they have, you know, Cincinnati would drop down because they're, they're a group of five and not a, a power five and Alabama would be their second loss. So one of those two, I, I think Alabama's in, even if they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship myself, even though they're going to have two losses, but I, I, I just think Notre Dame's going to probably end up five in the polls and be in a, in a good new year's six game, mm-hmm. probably the best place for them. I don't think they're, they really stack up against the elite. They should have beat Cincinnati. I was at that game. Yeah. They turned the ball over three times, but <laughs> Cincinnati, you can't, they, they won every game. You can't take that away from them. One of the things about Notre Dame is that uh, coach Kelly had said that this was kind of a, a year uh, of transition. He did, uh, you know, it's not like he didn't expect them to have the record that they do have, but I think he, he readily admitted that the talent level right now isn't what it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And so for them to have a 10 and one record is pretty sensational. And I think is a tribute to his coaching. He's gotten better as a coach. Would you agree with that? I, yeah. I, I thought they were going to be a three loss team. I think, I think, that, you know, go, going into the season, especially when you look, you know, it's an entirely new offensive line, except for the center. Right. Patterson. Uh, and then on top of that, they, you know, they, they had this highly rated freshman playing at left tackle to start the season. And, and he, you know, hurts his knee and has to have knee surgery mm-hmm. after only a half of one game. And then they went through, uh, they're on their fourth left tackle right now. And this guy's turning out. Remember John Ald, who played, um, for Kansas City for a long time. Sure. His son is the the starting left tackle and he's a true wow. freshman. Wow. So I mean you got an 18-year-old. So they got two freshman tackles that are going to be top-notch players book it they'll be the book and one will end up being on the right side next year. Excellent. But uh, yeah, they, I mean they got some good young linemen but mm-hmm. you know they're going to lose that quarterback who was the grad transfer from uh uh Wisconsin. So they're going to have a young quarterback next year, but I think, you know, they got, I had, I'm not going to mention the player's name, but the the father of one of their players who, you know, could be a fifth year guy next year or enter the draft this year. You know, he called me to get my perspective and I've called some teams and he's leaning that, you know, the kid probably will go back and that'll help. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The other game I wanted to ask you about is Michigan, Ohio State. Your thoughts? Oh, I want Ohio State to kill them because I don't like Michigan. 
<laughs> there you go, Don Burr, who is from Detroit and, and is a big Michigan fan. <laughs> I hate Michigan. <laughs> Why, <laughs> Greg? Why? I, I, I don't like, you know, I love Bo. Uh -huh. People, I love Bo. But when Lloyd Carr was there, Lloyd Carr was just a total arsehole. And <laughs> that turned me off completely to Michigan. Yeah. And, and my, my feelings on schools are I, I like them if they treat scouts good, and I don't like them if they don't. Mm -hmm. And when Lloyd was there, they didn't treat us good. So I just developed this hatred for Michigan, just like Penn State. Because Joe mm -hmm. Paterno treated us like garbage. And I don't care who's coaching there. That's never going to change. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you got a lot of fans in the chat room. Not only do they want you to be the general manager of the Chicago Bears, but you've also I'm got to drop this. It ain't going to happen. You've got to vote for president, too. Greg Graber for president of the United States. I know oh, that. Oh, yeah. I know that if you were a you'd move to Canada in about a minute. <laughs> no, because because my taxes would be a lot lower with you as president, so I might stick around. <laughs> You're the best, Greg Gabriel. We'll be uh, listening to you at three forty-five on the score. Three forty. 3.40 on the score, WSCR, 6.70 a.m. Greg Gabriel and Hub Arkish, can't wait to hear that. And thank you very much. We'll be back. Greg Gabriel Talks Football. We'll be back next week, later in the week, so we can talk about uh, all of the updates uh, from Hallis Hall. And I'm really already looking forward to that almost as much as I'm uh, looking forward to the Hub Arkish interview with you. Thanks very much for everything you do for the barroom, Greg, and we'll talk to you next week. And okay. thanks, everyone, for tuning in live. We'll thanks, people. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.